Folks, I've got John Kell here with me of Song Surfing Podcast. Super excited to have the opportunity to chat with a fellow music discoverer. Um, maybe I'm biased, but I think that what John does is a really important uh, thing. Um, I think it's really interesting. I've listened to bits and pieces of his podcast. I think he does a great job. If you haven't heard of Song Surfing Podcast or you don't currently listen to it, would highly recommend you give it some streams. I think you're really going to find that John does a great job of uncovering um, lesser listened to uh, pieces of music. And they're across multiple genres, really, which as a Steve Z Music Guy listener, you're you're familiar with that sort of multi-genre, cross-genre um, curation. Anyway, we're going to jump into a bunch of things today uh, over the next uh, you know, 20, 30 minutes or so. Um, first things first, I want to ask John a few questions just about who he is, where he's come from, how he's gotten into music in the first place. Um, and then we'll start to dial a little bit more specifically into his podcast. So all of you out there can learn a little bit more about song surfing and what to expect once, once you dial in. So John, let's just zoom out for a minute. Um, would you mind just kind of introducing yourself and letting the listeners and listeners know a little bit about who you are? Hey, Steve. Yeah. Thank, thanks uh, first for having me on uh, for the interview. I've been looking forward to this. So I'm a, I'm a Chicago area based music teacher and musician and songwriter uh, I've got a, a various projects going. So besides the day job as a band director, I write music and I run a songwriting group on Facebook called Song Spark, uh, where we write uh, a new song each month from a, a, a monthly writing prompt. Oh, that's so that's cool. been fun, a fun way to network with other folks um, and give each other feedback and have a, a small group of, although they were some friends, uh, you know, that I knew ahead of time, most of the folks in that group are people I've met through the community. Um, and it's been a nice way to give each other feedback and grow together in a, in a, uh, a supportive environment, you know, a way you can develop your demos and get some, try some ideas out. And um, I really haven't been in a, a writing funk since I, I've been a part of that group. And that's been a lot of fun, motivating. I love that. That's called Song Spark, you said? Song Spark. Yeah. It's, it's got cool. a kind of a, a cumbersome full name. The Song Spark uh, Composition, the Songwriting and Composition Collective, because I wanted love to- Love it. You get wordsmiths uh, together and you come up with names like that. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a fun group. So that's that's one thing that I do. Um, I, I teach kids, uh, as I said, for the, for the day job. Um, and then I've got um, the podcast, uh, which has been a, a fun way. It started a year ago. We just had the first anniversary in January. And it's been a really fun Congrats. way to discover a lot of, a lot of artists. Um, and I try to find people from all over the world, all different genres, um, just the, it's the main criteria is, uh, they, they have to be indie artists. So no, no major label artists. And, and I try to stay away from, um, uh, I don't stay away from folks that are on indie labels, but the smaller indie labels. So you're not going to hear, uh, you know, 4AD or sub pop artists or anything like that. I think they sure. have, the pitchfork does enough of that <laughs> coverage. So, <laughs> you know, I, I want to have a, a, a place where, um, all different folks are represented. Um, so I try sure. to find, um, as I said, first music, uh, in all different genres, but not just from the United States, uh, where I'm based, but uh, all over the place, wherever I can find it. Um, and I, I try to feature, uh, uh, women, uh, people of color, uh, LGBTQ folks, uh, as much as I can. Um, I, I try not to make it just, uh, uh dudes every episode. 
Very cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, White dude music podcasts are are a plenty, and I and I I hear you that it's always nice to be able to inject some some uh, you know some 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 a diversity uh, of of musicians and and music styles and also lived experience in the musician himself or herself. So that's that's awesome that you do that. Um, t- tell me about the international slant. I don't mean to cut in, but I want to make sure that we definitely double click on the fact that your podcast looks at indie musicians from across the world, which I think is one of the major ways. There's an overlap between what you and I do, but there's certainly um, a schism to a degree in, uh, in that what you're looking at is music that is truly international. Um, and I think it's so cool that you're able to find these artists. And and oftentimes there's, there's linkages or connective tissue in the style or the feel um, of the music. But again, there there's one band and then the next band you play is from a thousand miles away. I'm curious as someone who curates music and like, you know, discovers or looks for music. Um, how do you find these bands that are, that are hundreds and hundreds of miles away that are overseas that are touring in other countries? I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and that was the kind of daunting thing about it when I, when I started the podcast, cause I, the, the impetus behind it was just finding music on the internet is hard, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> You know, yeah. how do you, how do you discover something on Spotify or, or Apple music? You know, right. there really isn't, um, I, I don't know, any good way of just browsing. Um, yeah. and even sites like, uh, SoundCloud, who I think kind of at first seem really promising in that regard, hasn't really developed that much further. So, um, mm-hmm. I, what I've, what's been working for me lately, um, has been the browse, um, options that Bandcamp gives you mm-hmm. and, um, scrolling through Audius. Uh, uh, I, I came across a lot of artists. I just think that that that's an app that isn't um, maybe it's not as popular in. Interesting. Uh, it, what is that you know, app? Audius. Audius. Yeah. And uh, how do you spell that? A U D A U D I U S. Yeah, hmm. I've I've come across uh, some folks through there that I haven't. I don't think I would have seen on uh, Bandcamp or one of the other apps. Um, so I think that there are just some different, there's a different user base on, on that app. Um, and one thing I've been doing lately that's been pretty fruitful is uh, searching by hashtag and following hashtags on Instagram. Hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll first look for uh, just a major city and see if there's a music scene. A lot of the cities, you know, there is a Chicago music scene, a Detroit music scene, uh, Mumbai music scene. Um, and that's, you know, the musicians mostly posting. So I, I feel like that really gives you a snapshot into what's going on uh, a little bit more behind the scenes. I, lo- I love that kind of community first approach where you're kind of finding folks where, where they're at um, and you're doing that in this increasingly, you know, digital world by using hashtags. Your podcast, John was very much, it sounds like if it started a year ago, um, the Genesis uh, of this, you know, uncertain sort of disconnected, you know, increasingly digitized world where we're starting to get onto Zoom more and we're starting to connect with other communities more remotely, right? Partially for safety concerns, partially just because it's like this seems to be the new way of the world to a degree. I'm right there with you. My 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 guide's been happening as a newsletter for just about a couple of years now, also started during the pandemic. Um, and the the podcast accompaniment started about about a year ago now. So I can relate to, I don't want to speak for you. I'm curious to know kind of how your podcast started, but, but I know mine started because again, it was sort of, um, 
it sort of birthed from this, uh, from this pandemic. And it was, I was sitting at home, you know, I've got a full-time job doing something totally different, but music has always been near and dear to my heart as a musician, as someone who's always curated music, played it for folks and, you know, given mixtapes out in an unsolicited fashion to friends, family, and whoever would listen. Um, this seemed like, well, something I can do and I can use the internet as a tool to sort of try to discover what's out there and really spend a few good hours a week doing so and, and see where it takes me. Um, and the podcast was sort of a nice avenue to be able to explore that. Is that, was, was that what part did or did not the pandemic play in your desire to start song surfing podcast? I think I would have started it regardless, but it definitely gave me a little bit extra time <laughs> to put sure, things together sure. without having to commute. Um, yeah. and actually that was, um, I, I, I'd released an EP of my own music too. Um, and it was mostly because of the pandemic that I was able to finish that up. I've been trying to, um, just find the time now to get my second EP out and it's definitely not, uh, not quite the same experience. And your band is Oodles? Yeah. Oodles. Oodles. Yeah. O-O-D-L-E-S. Is that first EP called Life After Death? Yeah, that's right. Very cool. Yeah. I listened a little bit to that. You're incredibly talented. You play, John plays for those listening. Uh, it sounds like 16 or 17 instruments on uh, that EP, which I think is fantastic. I think I was hearing horns at one point. I mean, a really, um, a really lush soundscape you've built with that. Uh, so just wanted to uh, give you some accolades on, on, on your you. own music. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, so sorry, uh, feel free to get back to, to what you were saying. Yeah. So the pandemic, it, May give me the time to do it, but I had been planning out the podcast and and knew I wanted to do a podcast for a while, and it was really just settling in on what exactly the focus would be. I knew I wanted it to be something music related, um, and just having the the songwriting group and getting more and more heavily into my own music, and I think a little part of it too was at the time I was living in Indiana and feeling I just kind of isolated. Yeah, I'm originally from Chicago, and then I wound up moving back to Chicago. And just, uh, I didn't feel like, even though I was making music, and even though I had the online community, I, I felt a, a bit dis disconnected from, uh, uh, you know, just like a, a scene, I guess. Sure. You know, so I, I, I don't know. I enjoy finding music, talking to people about music, and being a part of that. And if I can help, uh, you know, the indie artists find some new fans, and that's that's awesome. That that feels real good. I love that. Um, I, I use a, so going back to how you find the music, I think that there are folks out there probably who listen to us and they're like, I love listening to your podcast, but, um, there are probably the people who listen to us, right? John, who I'd imagine, you know, I don't, I don't want to do too much speculation, but I imagine there's those, those kind of lean back listeners who are listening to the Spotify curated playlist and the Apple created playlist. And that's, that's all, that's, that's fine. That's well and good. That's what they prefer. That's the amount of time they've allotted to their own personal music discovery activities. Right. And they've also factored in time to listen to our weekly or biweekly podcasts. Um, but then there are probably individuals who listen to us and then they also kind of want to do a little bit more of their own kind of music discovery. Maybe they do a little bit and they look at related artists or maybe they go to a concert and they find out who's opening up and they look into that artist a little bit more. And then they they discover musicians and bands kind of in their own way. And then there are probably folks who, who want to do even more than that, but feel like they don't have the tools to do so, as you mentioned 
it's tough to find music on the internet. Where do you begin? So I think folks like you and I who have thought a little more intentionally about it have discovered some some hacks or some tactics or some tricks, stuff like Audius, like you mentioned, or looking at hashtags first, discovering the music community, and then sifting through the music afterwards. Um, I, for example, go on to this website called everynoise.com. It used to be something called the sorting hat. Um, it's basically this algorithm that this guy put together that pulls automatically all, I want to say 40,000 new Spotify releases every week and automatically um, segregates them into like four or 500 different genres. And every week I'll just go through there. My podcast is weekly and I'll kind of click on five or six of the genres that I typically like, and they're totally disparate. And then I'll listen to that stuff and I'll, I'll kind of just click the, you know, pick indie folk, for example, I'll click maybe 10 or 11 of the albums out of the 60 that have been released. And it's like album art. So sometimes it's singles, sometimes it's EP. And I'll just listen to a 30 second clip. That site lets you do that. Anyway, I'm kind of spilling a little bit of the beans for folks who want to know a little bit about what I do, but I'm definitely also going to check out Audius. Are there other tips or tricks or, um, you know, sorts of uh, things you'll do or think about, um, or approaches that you've developed along the way, John, that have helped you uncover this music near and far across all different genres. You've been listening to music for decades. So I'm sure there are other sorts of tactics that you've kind of carved out along the way. So a lot of the searching that I do winds up being through Bandcamp and I'll look for album art, I think first, or, or I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to clicking on something I should say, because it has a, a cool cover, right? Um, song titles, uh, or band names, uh, often will catch my attention. Um, and a lot of times I'll search by, um, by location or browse by location and new releases and genre. And then you can go into location on Bandcamp and it's a little hard to find. And I don't know if you can do it on the mobile app. I think it's a desktop only thing, um, but you can go in and then search by, I think they called sub region, uh, which is mm. basically like by, by city. Um, and they're all organized in alphabetical hashtag. So they, I, and I'm not sure like on their main locations that they have listed, I, I I'm guessing that's just based off of, you know, like the largest cities population wise. Um, but they'll just give you like a smattering of places, you know, you'll get like uh, New York, Chicago, LA, Buenos Aires, you know, just, just a, a potpourri of, uh, of major cities. Um, but then you can go in further and find, you know, like sub sub regions. And that's, that's sometimes fun to do. Um, you never know what you're going to find. And then I'll listen to a lot of times real short snippets and I'll jump around on the song, uh, just to make sure I'm not missing something. Although, although quality isn't, uh, you know, like recording quality isn't, a you know, a number one, like I play, I do play a lot of bedroom recorded artists mm -hmm. for me. Like I, I have to get the sense that there's some intention behind it. If yeah. the recording quality is poor because it, it just seems like they don't know what they're doing. That's not going to, that doesn't appeal to me as much as, you know, like an intentional, I'm going for a lo-fi sound. Right. Yeah. I think if the lo-fi gets in the way of the song rather than uh, complements its its purpose in some way, I'm right there with you. It, it's sort of, uh, it, it just, it's too, if it's too distracting, then it just kind of pulls me out of it. Um, and that's, that, that's never something that I can, that I can get beyond. And as someone who's recorded, I understand 
as I'm sure you do as well, that it's tough, right, to make something that sounds really polished. I think now more than ever before, indie artists have been equipped to make something that sounds really professional in their bedroom with tools and software and hardware um, with a little bit of time and effort and platforms like Bandcamp, you can sort of get your music out there and it can sound pretty good. But if it doesn't sound good, and again, I know it's easy for that to happen because there are a multitude of reasons why um, an audio clip just, just doesn't, it's grainy or there's feedback or you don't have the latest version of the software or you need to upgrade your microphone or you don't really know how to play this one instrument, but you're doing it because you want to kind of like build out the soundscape a little bit more. If it just doesn't feel like it's all clicking in and I listen in that first 10 seconds is like, why is there all that extra like room noise there? And it's not really working to make the song feel alive and vibrant and in the moment, it's really just there because like they weren't really sure how to tweak the the uh, the dials the right way. Then I don't know. It just it it pulls me out of it, right? It's like seeing the seams in a costume, and you're watching like a Broadway performance, and you're like, oh, that was like built for this night. That w- that's not the actual person wearing their actual clothes for this actual event, right? So yeah, I'm there with you. I think that that it uh it's important for the fidelity to at least be good enough. And, and if it's really quiet too, right? Like everything you're listening to is a certain volume, but the track you're given a shot is just like way too quiet and they weren't really like, you know, turning the gain the right way and they didn't really master it the right way. Um, you know, you, you don't want it to be over compressed. And I also don't want to get in the weeds for folks who don't, you know, care about compression, but um, that's another thing that for me will just kind of turn me off right away. It's interesting. You listen to like a clip at the beginning and the end. And then, and then after that, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's like the song's got to, got to read well the whole way through if I'm going to play it on my podcast. Well, the, yeah. And the podcast does bring a certain level, like a certain need for audio quality, because by the time we put the episodes together and then upload them to our podcast distributor, it gets compressed further. So if you already yeah. have issues going in, yeah. Right. And it's not going to wind up something that the listener wants to listen to. Not going to do any favors. Yeah. Once right. you put it on. Tell me about your thoughts on, have you heard about the sort of buyout of, I don't even know if that's the right term to use, but um, the acquisition of Bandcamp. It sounds like Bandcamp something you use a lot. Uh, it sounds like a video game creator or distributor or, you know, company is, is purchasing Bandcamp. Is that going to have in your view, any sort of major impact on the platform? I don't know what effect it's going to have. And they haven't really, as far as I know, they haven't really said anything other than just that this happened. So I I don't know. I mean, I think the, the app could be better, right? And um, I think this is maybe a, a good opportunity for them to do some overhauls. Um, although I do, you know, as I said, I use Bandcamp probably primarily. To, I mean, I find most of the artists... Um, that I play on song surfing through that site. Um, but it definitely could be more you know, user-friendly. Um, I think it's the best of the bunch, but I think it definitely could be better. So I'm, I'm hopeful that it leads to some cha- some good changes in that sense. And I, I hope that if anything, um, the impact that it has on the artists who are making their music uh, available and for sale through Bandcamp, I hope that it benefits them and doesn't go the other direction. Yeah, I think Bandcamp is one of the platforms that does the best job at making sure they're truly, you know, advocating for the artist and keeping the artist in mind when it comes out to payments and revenue generation. So I'm right there with you. I hope 
all changes, if there are any, are um, you know demonstrative of Ben Camp's you know historical commitment and devotion to the artist. Um, yeah, and I, and I think you're right. I think a lot of people are like skeptical of the of the acquisition, though. F- admittedly, I have not read at length about any sort of speculation about it. Um, but I think at first pass, a lot of folks are like, you know, that's a head scratcher. But I think you're spot on that here's a company who has figured out technology and how to distribute it and how to make it user friendly. And let's just hope that, you know, that sort of, um, you know, that, sh- that sort of information sharing happens now that this this video game uh, producer, and I think it's Epic Games, if I'm not mistaken, has has purchased Bandcamp. So I think it's great. It's a great viewpoint. And, and I'd love to continue using Bandcamp as well. It's one of the places I, I um, you know, point my listeners to, to make sure they patronize all the artists and bands on my show meaningfully. I know they do, or for the, during the pandemic for a while, they were offering, you know, something like a hundred percent of revenue, you know, better than I, you're on the platform more, um, you know, to artists one day a week. Does that sound right? Like a Friday or something? Uh, it's one the first Friday of every month they waive Got their, it. their cut. Um, okay. but their cut isn't really, I think it's 15, 15% if I think that's right. Yeah. It's not, it's not huge. And, um, I mean, I've, I, with my EP, I've donated anything that I made to, uh, make a wish foundation. So it's not like I'm raking in big bucks <laughs> anyway, but <laughs> right. I've made so much more, um, through Bandcamp uh, sales than I have through any of the other uh, yep. platforms. Yeah, um, I can attest to that as well. Yeah, and so I think you know, and I'm not selling merch or anything, you know. So for the touring bands, you know, who have vinyl and T-shirts and everything for sale on there, in addition to their their uh, um, you know the streaming stuff, uh, I think it could you know it's it can be very lucrative. Hmm. Do you do you song surf in any physical tactile sense? Like, are you heading out to record stores nearby you in Chicago and, and finding new artists that way? Uh, I, I, you know, I go, no, yes and no. <laughs> I don't find artists that way, uh, really, but I, I do like going to record stores. But my reason for going is kind of bizarre because I, I, when I buy stuff, it's, it's, uh, merchandise, merchandise, you know, like t-shirts. I, I was at a record store. I was at reckless records in Chicago yesterday and, uh, bought a Frank Zappa book. Right. I never buy music from record stores. I don't have a good sound system at home. Well, I should say I don't have like a, a good sound system with a CD player and a turntable <laughs> connected to it. My good speakers are connect are for my computer, right. To run my recording stuff, right. Uh, all, all the, uh, the equipment that I use for recording and for podcasting. Um, so when I listen to music, it's, it's in my, my studio. I don't have a designated hi-fi system. Um, so I never buy CDs. I very rarely buy vinyl. And when I do, uh, all I have to play it on is like a, one of those little, uh, Crosley, uh, players yeah, with a yeah, built-in yeah. speaker. So yeah, the all-in-one. Yeah. Yeah. It's like my vinyl purchases are more like, cause I want to support the artist and then it just right. sits there. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, my wife and I recently started to get back into CD buying. Um, and, and it's, it's almost, it's almost exclusively for car drives. We, uh, we just decided like the endless, the endless looking through on the phones for what to play. And then, you know, that song's over. Now what else are we going to play? And then the internet goes out and it's like just a mess. 
So we've decided to just start buying CDs and they're usually used, but occasionally new. Um, and the price is right. So do you have a CD player in your car? We've then? got a CD player in the 20, in the 2016 Kia Forte CT, CD player right there. We're popping wow. them in. And uh, what's that must've fun- been right on the edge of when they stopped putting those in. Probably, probably, probably. Um, yeah. I don't think they're making them with CD players anymore. People, people with them, kids with, with cars with CD players today are probably like, you know, what is this, what is this slit in the, in the console? Um, but, but I gotta say the sound of CDs, we forget, or at least I forgot that, you know, if you, you don't even need to be an audiophile, I don't think to realize that when you're playing an MP3 on Bluetooth headphones or Bluetooth speakers, that song has been compressed a number of times. And for folks listening and they don't know what compressed is, it basically means the quality or the fidelity of the song has been degraded in some way in order to streamline the process by which it goes from wherever it is to wherever it's got to be. So uh, if it's on a stream, a server somewhere, um, it's better if it takes up a smaller amount of space since obviously it is digital. And so an MP3 is a, is a degraded version of, of like a wave file. That's just the name. That's usually a CD track or sort of the original, what they call lossless audio. There are some digital ways to create that lossless audio. And there are some streaming services out there that will deliver songs in that lossless audio. But, um, for the most part, you're listening to MP3s if you're listening to Spotify and Apple. And Apple's changed that a little bit lately, but you're generally listening to MP3s. And then if you're listening on a Bluetooth speaker in your car, it's degrading it again in order to kind of shoot that digital code, that digital file through the air. Um, So you're listening to like a really sort of, you know, like a sort of like a, a not grainy version of the song, but it's almost like this, it's the digital equivalent of like a record that's been scratched up a little bit. Right. And it's not sort of an appealing degradation of the fidelity. It's like, it just sounds sort of almost like robotic. The highs are a little different. The lows are a little bit different, meaning like the treble and the bass just doesn't feel as impactful. Now, a lot of this is poetic. Some of this is probably placebo, but I will say I'll, I'll cut my long-winded rant here, but folks who are listening strictly to Bluetooth and MP3s, which is me 99% of the time, give CDs a shot, you know? Don't sleep on CDs. Throw one into an actual CD player every now and then, and you'll hear sort of the, the closest to the original intention that the artist may have had. Now, there are some exceptions to that, but in general, you're going to hear sort of like the full Technicolor version of the piece of music. Um, and so it's been really nice doing that. And that's all in addition just to the convenience factor of popping in a CD, not having to worry about it, just popping in another one. We're in this world, this time, John, I'm wondering what your, what your feelings are on this. We live in a time now where there's like five and a half million different things you can choose at any given time, whether you're like in a big box store or you're song surfing on the internet for your, the next thing you're going to listen to. Is there a benefit to like, cutting down on choice. I mean, I'm not trying to get too philosophical here, but it it just occurs to me like you and I are in a space, right? At least as hobbyists where we are, we have our, we have our kind of, we have our, our, our eyes on a million different choices all the time. Like, is there something overwhelming about that? Is there a benefit to cutting down on that choice? Well, yeah, I think to a degree. And I, I tend 
although this is kind of ironic because the the nature of my podcast is a, a playlist, right? <laughs> like, but but I t- I do tend to when I'm diving into an artist, I, I like listening to albums, or mm-hmm. um, I'll listen to the um, Apple Music, uh, the Essential Artist Essential. You know, where yeah. it is a playlist, but it's, you know, the most popular songs or whatever. Right. Or some right, I think right. they do a thing where the, like the art some of the bigger artists they pick what goes on their essential playlist. And that's kind of cool if you're checking out I like to do that when I'm checking out, you know, a, an artist that I should have listened to years ago and never have. Like uh Oh that's I don't cool. Know. They actually pick their own songs for it. For I the think playlist? so, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I yeah. So that. you can um and then some of them have multiple playlists, like uh who is it? I think Vel- I was listening to Velvet Underground, maybe, and they had you know like, like the essentials, like the first volume that you listen to, which is like all the songs people know, and then you have the second volume, like okay, now these are the ones the fans really like. You know, that's uh, that's that's fun too. But I don't know. I like to get more a sense of the 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 body of work, and I and I I prefer yeah. bands and artists that write that way too, that aren't just putting out single after single after single. Yeah, I, I I like taking in you know the 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 work as a whole. Totally, completely relate to that. Yeah, I think there's some important about the cohesion and the narrative arc of an album from front to back. I've, I've spoken with some artists about that, as I'm sure you have as well. Um, what are you listening to right now that you feel like uh, some Steve Z Music Guy listeners might want to listen to? Oh yeah, let's see. I wrote down uh, some of the folks who I featured or will be featuring on the podcast that I, I really like. Um, so I, I mentioned just uh, as far as like music people, you know, more mainstream music. Um, I've been in a velvet underground kick lately. And one thing that I I came across yesterday, because I, I want to do some uh, on a song that I'm going to record for the uh, the monthly prompt for SongSpark. I want to do um, a Mo Tucker style drum part. Right. But I was trying to figure out, like, what exactly is she doing? Because you can't always hear the drums real clearly on those those uh, Velvet Underground songs. Um, And I I don't know who it was, but there's this drummer guy on YouTube that does um, these like artist spotlights. And he did a whole uh, like 40 minute video on Mo Tucker's drumming where he goes like track by track and explains what what she's doing. And he uh, was playing like the different outtake versions to try to like, cause like I said, you can't hear the parts. Right. But he was trying to construct like what she was doing based on like, okay, in this outtake, I think I can hear this. And then he would do it. He would play the recording and he would play along with it. So you could Hmm. see like her unique setup with how she would have like the, the kick drum laying like on the floor and he'd play it with a mallet. Um, Oh, wow. So that's cool. I, I like occasionally to kind of go down a rabbit hole on a, on a particular uh, artist like that. Um, and that's one of those bands where like f- I've tried listening to over the years and just never could get into them. And now I think I finally found them at the right time <laughs> where I've heard enough other stuff where I'm like, okay, I like Velvet Underground. I just didn't realize it before. So that's one. Um, and then as far as groups that I've featured on the podcast, I've been really mm-hmm. excited about um, Vegas, uh, spelled V-A-G-U-E-S-S. So like hmm. guess, but with V in front of it. Um, so Vegas is an artist um, out of LA who has his own label, Refry Records, uh, that he and a friend run. And he Vegas, on his recent album, Nothing Secret, uh, he recorded all the parts himself mixed it at home and it sounds 
awesome. It's um indie indie rock, indie like kind of punk-ish. Um has sort of a low-key subdued vocals, but all the songs are like upbeat and catchy and every song has something about it that I I just really find memorable. I don't know. It's it's one that I I want to start over as soon as it ends. Um and then a couple local bands, uh we've got Human Errors. Um they're a punk band but they have like a strong like late 50s early 60s like just like old school rock and roll sound to them too you know there's like a definite like chuck berry influence and as as far as the vocal melodies go i think that um uh the clash i think the clash is probably a big influence for them but that's human errors they have a new one out that's uh it's really good it's called super hits and it's a appropriate title for an album. And then the, that one sounds particularly awesome. Human errors. I'm going to make a note of that. Yeah, I think I think you I think you you like it if you check it out. Uh, and then Pink Squeeze is um, another Chicago band. Um, and I've played a couple of their songs actually uh, on the podcast. Now I, I I really like them, and it's it's been fun to hear them them grow from EP to EP. And the distinction that uh, I think the audience kind of knows about this band is they're the band that I haven't been able to see live because I bought tickets for them multiple times and each time have had to cancel or, not, or just not go because I, I get migraines. So mm. at this point now I'm, I, I've missed three pink squeeze concerts. Oh, no. <laughs> so one day I'll get to see them, but they're, they're very nice and their music's cool. So that's another one to check out. Love it. Pink squeeze. Um, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I was taking notes over here and, uh, I'm definitely gonna check a few of those out. All of them probably particularly human errors, but pink squeeze sounds good as well. Um, how do you decide? So you mentioned local a lot and we'll wrap things up in a minute here. I know you've already given me a little bit more time than, than we had agreed on for that. I appreciate you. Um, you had, uh, you mentioned just now a couple of those bands were, were local. Um, you mean local to like the Chicago land area, right? Yeah. They're Chicago groups. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, Pink Squeeze just went on, I think, their first longer tour, you know, where they're going across the Midwest. But yeah. How important is it for you to sort of advocate for these local up and coming emerging artists, given that you once upon a time and still currently are a musician yourself? Oh, it's really important. I, um, I try to feature a Chicago band almost every episode. And in fact, the episode that's coming out uh, this coming Tuesday, and then I have another one scheduled a few weeks after that, are all Chicago episodes. And I'm I'm really cool. excited for those because I, I I feel like I've got a good representation of. Um, although I'm pretty into indie and alternative rock, uh, and there definitely are artists that fit into the, into those genres. Um, we've got uh, some folks that uh, some rappers. Um, We've got uh, one band that I'm really excited about. It they they have uh, kind of like a late two um, thousands emo sound, but they actually uh, are from the neighborhood that I grew up in on the south side. So that's that's cool too. Oh, cool. Yeah. So How did you it's, find uh, that out? Is that just that was just serendipitous? You just ran into that. You know what? I'm I'm uh, it's in through a Facebook group. There's a DIY okay. Chicago uh, group, which I think was originally or or mainly focused or. Uh, mainly serves as a place for people to organize like house shows and stuff, Got which it. I don't, I don't go to. So I don't know. I just, yeah. <laughs> I'm just on the Facebook page and I, I like reading the posts and finding out about bands and, you know, being a yeah. part of the conversation that way. 
What do you think it is that makes people so that people like you and I and 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 you know countless others out there who just like spending hours and hours and hours digging through music, whether it's at a physical record store or it's on an online platform like Bandcamp? Like, how do we? What drives us to do this sort of like tireless to some people mind-numbingly mechanical, repetitive work? I mean, what do you think? Like what's underneath that? What's the motivating factor there for you? Mm, I don't know. I, you know, the funny thing is until you said that, I never thought of that as being something that people don't do. But <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It, it, but, but ask around, man. There are folks out there who just don't. I mean, they appreciate finding stuff that they are into. I don't think there are folks out there who are just like, get music away from me, all types of it. I, I've tried it all and none of it's for me. You know what I mean? But I think the the act of seeking it out in the ways that people who have podcasts like ours do, I think that might be uncomfortable territory for some people. So I'm wondering why we choose not just to do it because it's like we're falling on our swords, but we enjoy it. Like, why do we enjoy what we're doing, I guess? And you're not my therapist. So uh, if you can't answer this uh, or you need to charge me, I totally understand. uh, Yeah. uh, I'm going to, I think for me, it's, it's two things. Um, for one, I think I just kind of have a, you know, it's the collector spirit, right? Like as a kid, I was super obsessed with comic books and kind of still am, uh, but I don't have comic books anymore. Um, but uh, you know, I just saw, you know, it was, I really, you know, I remember spending a lot of time going through Green Lantern back issues. That was my Green Lantern was my, uh, my superhero and just finding like, oh my gosh, I never knew that this happened back in 1975. You know, like that was just so fun yeah. for me, like digging through those, those boxes at the, co- of old issues at the comic shop and seeing, yeah. seeing what happened. I think especially, uh, in the days before internet where you couldn't just look everything up on Wikipedia. Um, it yep. was fun to, to seek out all that all those mysteries. Um, so I think there's a, there's an element of that, you know, I, it, it's, it's fun to seek out and then share with other people who are enthusiastic about it. Um, but as far as, you know, you, you'd mentioned like, kind of like listening to what you listen to and that's what you listen to. I I've never been like that, you know? Uh, and I think that comes from my mom because growing up, we always listened to different things like, and she, you know, I remember she would, um, sometimes put the classical station on other times we'd listen to the, her Led Zeppelin records or the Beatles Sunday show, uh, or hip hop, you know, it was just always, and a lot of times she would be the one to in, initiate that, you know, like I remember even mm-hmm. when I was, a um, a teenager, she was the one who introduced me to Nirvana, not the other way around, you know? Right. <laughs> um, and, and yeah. she's still like that, you know, like she do, she, sh- she'll, listen to uh Eminem as as easily as she would listen to Herb Alpert and his Tijuana mm-hmm. Brass or or whatever yeah. you know it's mm-hmm. kind of like a genreless interest in music and that's yeah. totally what love I that. have now love that yeah I, I can I can relate entirely to both those points I think the kind of desire to collect and the historical tendency to do so and um this feeling that, you know, from a young age, we were nurtured with um, an appreciation for what you, what you, I think, so appropriately called genreless, you know, music or genreless commitment to, to music. I, I totally agree that those are at least important factors to, 
anyone who wants to go out there seeking music in order to kind of curate it and share it with other enthusiastic listeners. Um, yeah, man. Well, I, listen, John, I appreciate the time. I learned a lot. I know my listeners did as well. Um, and I wanted to, before we part ways, just give you the floors or anything else out there uh, that we should have on our radars, either musically or, or as far as music curation goes. Or is there anything else about your podcast or about you as a musician you wanted to share with folks? Well, um, the f- first thing I'd like to do is just uh, do a shout out to one of the correspondents that I have on song surfing, Brianna Bass. Um, Brie, as she goes by on the on the podcast, has a duo that she does with her um, longtime friend Kelsey, and they're called Skunkweed Juju. Uh, so if you're interested in uh, country music um, that's bluesy and kind of raw and gritty and really hev- heavily uh, uh, focused on vocal harmony, um, that's a, a good one to check out. Skunkweed nice. Juju. Um, and Brie does a great job uh, picking out uh, songs and artists. Um, to play on the show. Yeah. She focuses on folks who, uh, she, she's in Atlanta. And so she focuses on people in and around or, uh, who have passed through Atlanta on tour. So nice. I discovered a lot of, a lot of groups that I really like through, uh, through her good taste. Well, shout out to Brie. Brie, keep doing what you're doing. I love that you've got kind of a correspondent format. I think it's important to have boots on the ground, so to speak, when you're at least taking your approach, which I think is a good one, John, like kind of integrating into the musical community first, finding out from the folks who are already there, already listening to stuff, already going to shows like, you know, who are the next big things? Who are the emerging DIY indie artists here that I should be listening to? Um, and folks, listen, Skunkweed Juju, uh, if, if, if the music is, is as good as the, the name, there's something to, uh, to enjoy there. I'm sure I know I'll be checking them out. Um, appreciate the, the shout out there, John, anything else you wanted to share? Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably safe to assume that anyone listening to this knows how to find podcasts, right? But, um, song surfing is available on any podcast app that you'd be listening on. It's also, if you, um, don't, listen to podcasts regularly, you can check out the website songsurfingpodcast.com and there's an easy to use player right on that page. And you can also find it on uh, some of the popular streaming sites uh, such as Spotify, Amazon Music, and Deezer. There's a song surfing Instagram, the account song surfing podcast, all one word. And you can follow me on Instagram, oodles music, O-O-D-L-E-S music, all one word. Nice. And uh, I think, as you mentioned earlier, I've got a band, uh, an EP out on on Bandcamp as well as the streaming platforms under Oodles and its life after death. How'd you come up with the name Oodles? There's a story behind it, but it's it's kind of a, a dumb, like a lame story. Um, <laughs> 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 I wish I, I I need to have a story that like fits the the unusual name, I guess. But um, when I was racking my brain, I was just sitting here listening to music and trying to come up with. A, you know, a name and I just had, you know, a random playlist going and there's a song by, um, run the jewels where, uh, uh, killer Mike sa- says oodles and noodles, I think. And just the oodles kind of stuck out to me, like right at that moment. So <laughs> right. I love it. No, I, lo- I love just pulling just the oodles out. Yeah. As, just, as, just as that. Well, I didn't want to get, word. get a funny. cease and desist order. Right. <laughs> right <laughs> From the right. noodle, the ramen company. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Um, good stuff, man. I had a band in high school called uh, the Shingles, and uh, we don't we didn't have an interesting Genesis story either. I mean, it was literally opening a dictionary and 
pointing to a word. I think that one was actually bad. Were you thinking roofing shingles or the, the as we came to understand, as we came to realize that like there were there were more people than we would have realized who did who had like an issue with the ladder for understandable reasons, right? Like it's a it's a it is a disease. It wreaks havoc on on people, and we were like, let's pump the brakes on on keeping this name like mysterious and let's just like lean into the fact that this is the roofing material. Uh, so yeah, as time went on, we, we were the shingles, like the thing you put on your roof, but yeah, it was, it was sort of a, sort of a ridiculous name, um, looking back, but, uh, you know, what, what band name doesn't have sort of a, a mysterious, ridiculous, funny, uh, meaningful, even if it's not meaningful, right? Meaningful and it's unmeaningfulness sort of Genesis story. So, uh, yeah, uh, that, that was, I, I can relate to that. What I think is uh, kind of funny is like you discover uh, after using the name for a while, what's good about it and what, what's bad about right. it. Like I think the name is, <laughs> right. you know, memorable or whatever, you know, and it was available. That's huge. But it's hard to say. Like, I always feel like I have to like slow down and go oodles and then spell it yeah. for people. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, listen, John, uh, Mr. Oodles, appreciate your time. Everyone check out John Kell. That's K-E-H-L. His podcast is Song Surfing Podcast. His band is Oodles. He is uh, he's a man who knows his music. And uh, I'm sure that if you enjoy music too, like I know all my listeners out there do, particularly music you may not have run into organically, you will enjoy John's knack for music curation. So uh, head on out there over to that Instagram page, over to that website, all those great places that the song surfing podcast maestro himself just sent you to. Um, I fully endorse all the great tunes coming over from his neck of the digital woods. So John, thank you so much for being here with us today. Again, I am just so appreciative of you carving out a little bit of time to talk with me and, uh, yeah, just wanted to, you know, give you uh, a big congrats on everything you're doing. I think it's important that folks like us continue to look for music that's out there in order to, you know, lift it up, amplify it, particularly given that we're musicians, we know how hard it is to, you know, market yourself as a musician. So if you find something that feels like it's gold, um, you know, then it's important to help help the individual sort of dust it off and at least expose it to as many circles of folks as you can. Well, thank you for being here with me, John. I appreciate the time and uh, yeah, look forward to having our paths cross in, again in the future. Thanks so much, Steve. Take care.